So we start. That's right. Ah, uh, I can walk. Okay, tell Yanko. Okay, tell to you. Your wife never called me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Ah, uh, no, my wife said no. So we started the Maimer Tanner Abanan Mitzvah Snerchanika. We spoke about the fact that we light the Menera eight days. Um, and the reason why we light it eight, seven, six, five, etc., according to Beishamai, is corresponding to Pare Hachag, just like the Karbanis, the sacrifices of the cows which we bring over the holiday of Sukkot are decreasing in number, so too the lights of Hanukkah should decrease in number. And the relationship that we were able to discern between Hanukkah and Sukkot is that they both are related to the number eight. The number eight is a number which indicates higher than Ishtalshalos, greater than nature. But this itself requires explanation. What is the relationship between each of these holidays and higher than nature? Furthermore, we asked that the Meneira, which we lit in the Besamitash, had only seven candles. So why are we lighting a Meneira of eight candles on Chanukah to commemorate that Meneira in the Besamitash? Also, we asked that when we Con- when we connect, when we relate the candles of Hanukkah, it's to specifically the karbanis, the sacrifices which we brought over Sukkot. And the sacrifices are brought on the Mizbeach, while the Meneira is lit on the Meneira, uh, in, in the Heichal, in the Ulam. So these are two very different kalim, the Mizbeach and the Meneira, which are in two different places in the Chatzar and in the Ulam. And they represent two different types of divine service, a divine service of conquering the Nefesh Bahamis or a divine service of igniting the Nefesh Alekis. And these are two entirely different things. Why are they being compared to each other? We also asked that the Meneira was lit in the Beis HaMikdash specifically while it was still day, while we light the Meneira on Hanukkah specifically while it's night, why is it if we're, com- we're lighting the Meneira to commemorate the lighting of the Meneira, which finally took place in the Beis HaMikdash when the Jews were able to liberate the Beis HaMikdash from the Greeks, why is it that we light it at a different time than the Meneira was lit in the Beis HaMikdash? Those are the questions. The next paragraph begins with the point of the explanation, as we spoke yesterday, the explanation which is discussed at length in these other Maimarim and these other Hasidic discourses is, the objective of the candles of Hanukkah is to illuminate the darkness. That's the point. If you want to know the essence of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, this is an essence which is discussed on so many different levels, from the most basic level, where it makes a good speech, to the deepest level where we understand its implications and its meanings and we put it into actual action. The 
essence of the Yom Tov of Chanukah is Lahar Esachayshech, to illuminate the darkness. The miracle of Hanukkah took place after the Yevanim entered the Heichal. And they made impure all of the oils in the Heichal. The Hiskabrus, the overpowering, the root of the word is Gibar, strong, the overpowering of the darkness of the Yevanim of the Greeks. Hoysa ad kach was to the point the uhu. It's not just that practically they entered into the Beis Hamikdash and they made the vessels wherever they went they made them impure. They even made impure all of the oils in the heichal. So not only did they make the area of the Beis Hamikdash which they um, which they stole, which they took away. Not only did they defile that, they defiled even the oils that they found in the Heichel. Now, why is it even the oils? What's the even over here? Because oil represents a level of Kodesh. As it says in the verse, the parenthesis says, as it says in the verse, Shemen Mishchas Kodesh, the Shemen um Mishchas, which is the smearing of Kodesh, of holiness. So the oil is not just part of what was used in the Beis HaMikdash and part of the, uh, uh, included in everything else over there, but the oil was deeper than that. The oil represents Bechinas Kodesh, a level of Kodesh, of holiness. And the Maimir says, Kodesh Mila Begarmei. This is a quote from a Zayar. That Kodesh, the concept of Kodesh is Mila Begarmei, is a word on its own. It's something which is separated. As we know that the word Kodesh, the concept of holiness, means separated. Like a Chassan tells a Kala under the Chuppah, Hare at Mikudeshes. That you are mikudeshes for me. What does it mean? You are mikudeshes for me. Kiddushin. The mikudeshes means you're separated from me. And this is the concept of kaidish. The concept of kaidish means not to be immersed in the world. A person who is excited about pizza is not a person who's holy. A person who's involved in the world in a way that the world is surrounding him, is something which is holding on to him. That's not holiness. The concept of holiness is to be separated. And just like the oil. That oil floats. Al Gabe Kolha Mashkin, on top of all other Mashkin, on top of all other liquids, Ve'enim Mis Arev Imoim, it doesn't mix together with them. If you mix oil together with water, then the oil will float above the water. And the same with any other liquid, the oil is not going to be able to mix together. You could mix orange juice and pineapple juice, but you can't mix oil together with any other liquid. 
to mizam muvam. From this, it's understood. This that the yevanim defiled all of the oils in the heichal. It's not just a practical thing that they did, but neger. This is relevant. Befrat in this detail. It's relevant with regard to this idea even more than the fact that they defiled the Heichel itself. Not only did they defile the Heichel, the area in the Beis HaMikdash, but they defiled even the oils in the Beis HaMikdash. Af even though the holiness of the Heichel itself is one of the highest levels of the holiness that exists in the Beis HaMikdash, the Beis HaMikdash obviously is the holiest place inside of the world. And with regard to this, there are various holinesses. There's the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, and the holiness of Yishalayim, which is greater than the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, and the holiness of Harabais, which is greater than the holiness of Yishalayim, and the holiness of the area of the Mikdash, which is greater than the holiness of of the rest of Harabais, and so on and so forth. The Heichel is one of the highest levels of holiness in this scheme in this, um, what's the word? Well, in these scales of holiness. But beyond that, the the the, the is is one of the holiest levels. like it's obvious. Gam miza also from this. Shagam Even after this is a quote from Va'al Hanisim, which we add into Shmen Esre and benching on Chanukah, we say that your children came and they purified this Mikdashacha. They purified your Mikdash. But even after they purified the Mikdash and they rectified what the Yivanim did in the Heichal, on this holy level of the Heichal, but they still were not able to Light the candles. In order that they should be able to light the menorah, they required a great miracle which took place, a miracle which began with finding the flask of oil, and then that the flask of oil which they found was able to light infinitely until they didn't need it anymore. Did it need a stamp of the color? Yes. That was the flask that they found had the stamp of the Kayin Gadol. Like, different than regular oil? It's the it's pure olive oil, but the stamp is about its purity, not just its purity in being the first drop of the olive. Its purity in not having been tainted, the seal not having been broken, and therefore not having been tainted by the the Yivanim that defiled all of the rest of the oils. Okay. So Maschel, beginning, Mehanes from the miracle, Shematsu, Pach Echot Shal Shemen, Tar Chasim Bechayim Shal Kayin Gadol, that they found a single flask of oil which was sealed with the seal of the Kayin Gadol. And that represents 
over here the Mimer is going to tell you, again, this is all in a distilled way, that we're taking a tremendous knowledge base of Chassidus and just giving it over in one point, in, in, in a nutshell. So the Maimar over here is teaching us that this single flask of oil represents our Ensef Shalemaylam Yishtalshalos. So you already see the relationship between Hanukkah and and Lemaylam Yishtalshalos, higher than nature, because the flask which they found represents the infinite light of godliness, which is higher than Yishtalshalos. Shalegabbeyorzeh now, why was it necessary for them to find this flask of oil? Because of the period of darkness that they lived in. Sometimes we feel that the darkness around us is overwhelming us. We can't tolerate the darkness. So this darkness sometimes is a darkness in the world in general. This darkness is sometimes a darkness in our own personal lives, in our own personal challenges. But the darkness is a darkness which we feel is overwhelming for us. Hanukkah teaches us that when we're faced with an overwhelming darkness, that's not something which should cause us chas v'shalom, to feel, I can't do it. On the contrary, we should know that if we're faced with an overwhelming darkness, that means that we need to tap into a greater light. That Hashem is going to allow us not just to tap into regular light, but a deeper light. And specifically a light which is which is higher than because light that's inside of the world Light which is inside of the world is light that can be extinguished. A candle could be extinguished. A torch could be extinguished. Light that's inside of Ishtalshlos is light that could be darkened. But light that is higher than Ishtalshlos is light that is infinite. And because it's infinite, also darkness cannot, cannot block it out, cannot darken it. Cannot extinguish it. On the contrary, this light illuminates the darkness itself. That the darkness itself should also shine. Not only is it not affected by darkness, it helps the darkness illuminate. That's the greatest chiddush. The greatest, the greatest chiddush is not to bring a light that compares the darkness. That's important. And we have to know that there is no darkness that light can't pierce. But we want even more than that. 
We want that the darkness itself should shine. And when the darkness itself shines, then the darkness can never affect you again. This is the concept of what it says in the Pasuk, that's right over here in the beginning of the line, the Havaya Yagia Chashki. Havaya Yudke Vavke Yagia will illuminate Chashki, my darkness. But it doesn't just say Havaya will illuminate my darkness, it says Vihavaya. And Havaya will illuminate my darkness. And in the parentheses it writes, vav. There's an extra Vav over here. That the extra Vav over here is indicating an extra power of Havaya, something which is explained at length in earlier um, in, in earlier Maimarim and Maimar from the Mittler Rebbe as well as others, this concept. We won't delve into it right now. So this is the reason, sorry, why the, the, the mitzvah of Hanukkah is specifically when the sun sets, as opposed to the Neris and the Beis HaMikdash. Because the Neris and the Beis HaMikdash don't have the power that the Neris Hanukkah have. Why? Because the Beis HaMikdash didn't need such a power. The Neris and the Beis HaMikdash were lit in a place of light, in a place of holiness. So when they're being lit in a place of holiness, then it might be lit. What's lit mean? Exciting. Exciting. So, uh, it's getting burned. Huh? It's getting burned. Huh? It's getting burned. That's what children use. So... So the, the the lights of the menorah were lit. They were lit, but they weren't as lit as the lights of the menorah that we lit lights on Hanukkah. What? You just used lit so many times. I know. I'm just trying to be lit. Um, um, I wouldn't recommend that. So, Rabbi. So they, the, the lights of the Hanukkah menorah as as uh, are greater than the lights of the menorah of the Beis Hamikdash, as great as the lights of the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash were, they were illuminating light. But the lights of the menorah that we light on Hanukkah, they illuminate darkness, and that's why the menorah was lit in the Beis Hamikdash during the day. But we light our Hanukkah menorah during the night. That's why Hashem told. Yours is greater than theirs. Because the menorah lasts forever. But what menorah lasts forever? It's specifically the Hanukkah menorah that lasts forever. Because the Hanukkah menorah is the idea of the Neres Hanukkah is to illuminate the darkness. And again, this is the essence of the holiday of Hanukkah. That everything else in Hanukkah is connected to this idea, the idea of illuminating the darkness. Before I answer questions, let's just finish the paragraph, because we answered a lot of our questions just with this paragraph. This is also why the menorah of Hanukkah is eight, even though the menorah in the Beis Mikdash was seven, because again, the light in the menorah in the, in the Beis Mikdash wasn't it, 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 
it didn't need to be so great. It didn't need to be so powerful. Because in the base of Mikdash, you don't need such a powerful light. There isn't darkness there. And v'chein yoymed Hanukkah inun. Also, the days of Hanukkah tmanya inun. I think this is a quote from the Gemara. I can't see it's cut off of here. I, I think this is a quote from the Gemara that says yoymed Hanukkah tmanya inun. The days of Hanukkah yeah, are eight. The Gemara in Shabbos, yeah. There, there are eight days of Hanukkah. Shemisbar Shmeina, the number eight, mirrored indicates Al Bchina Shalemayla Meishtalshlus on a level which is higher than Ishtalshlus. Shemitzad Bchina Zu Dafka Efsher Laharis Acheshech. It's only from this level that we can illuminate the darkness. So again, to encapsulate this capsule which we had from this ice. What we taught over here was the essence of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah. The essence of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah is When you know that, any questions you have are answered. You have a question. What's, what's the connection to eight? The connection to eight is and that's why it's not like the Menorah of the Beis HaMikdash. Because the Menorah of the Beis HaMikdash wasn't as the, focused to illuminate darkness, while the Menorah of Hanukkah is focused specifically to illuminate darkness. And this is why it's lit specifically at night. And any questions that you have, even the questions which we didn't yet answer, will be answered based on this essential idea of Hanukkah. Okay, before I answer your question, first Yechanan was waiting patiently. Um, so what does it mean to what does it mean that the darkness itself illuminates? Will darken the light. What? What does it mean that darkness will not darken the light? That means that sometimes you could have darkness which extinguishes light. Sometimes you have a light, a beauty, something really um, uh, powerful, a love, and Rahman a tragedy happens and that light becomes extinguished. That could be in so many different ways, but uh, sometimes darkness darkens light. But darkness can only darken a light which is inside of Ishtalshlos, a light which is supernatural, a light which is Lemaylamishtalshlos, a light which goes beyond our limitations, is a light which can't be affected by darkness. Okay? So. Two things. We didn't answer the question yet on um, how it's connected to the pray. Not entirely. To, uh, we answered Sukkot. why it's connected to eight, but not why the Pariachag are connected and to eight. Specifically to Sukkot. Well, Sukkot is the Pariachag, but yes. Right. Um, is Shalim above Seder Harishtalshus? Yes. The so Nakuda of Yerushalim is similar to this um, to this flask of oil. So then, is the essence of Hanukkah connected to Yerushalayim? And is it also connected to um, the difference between uh, is, is the candles of the base of Mikdash and the, the Neres of Hanukkah similar to a Baal Tshuva and a Tzadik? A Tzadik, a tzadik is not able to stand in the place of, of a Baal Tshuva. A tzaddik in general is like the Menorah in the Beis Hamikdash because right. a tzaddik lives in a constant circumstance of 
light. He doesn't know darkness. He doesn't encounter darkness. By him, only light exists. So he illuminates the light. He doesn't have darkness that can even. He doesn't have darkness which he illuminates. He's like the Menorah in the Beis Hamikdash. The Menorah in the Beis Hamikdash is higher than darkness, but therefore it's not illuminating darkness. A Balshuva has darkness, and the darkness is something which he needs to first of all illuminate. First, to, to, first of all, illuminate means that he has to allow the light to pierce the darkness. But then he has to do even further. He has to cause that the darkness itself should shine. That even that, that not just should the darkness not block the light from entering, but that the darkness itself should shine. That every part of his life should be something which is connected to godliness. I like how you, the way that you're doing, I know this has nothing to do with it, but I like the way that you're like choosing Sikhas and my marm are all, they're all connected. That's just, so this is all connected. Oh, yeah? It's <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay. Ubira Inyan, Ais Gimel. Ubira Inyan Baveda Saadam. Yuvan Behaktim. To explain this practically, in our spiritual service, Yuvam were able to understand this, but Hectum, through first prefacing, that which is explained in the Hasidic discourses of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. Why did the Yevanim do this? Why did the Yevanim defile all of the oils in the Heichel? Now, practically, practically, they came into the Beis HaMikdash and like invading armies when they entered into Beis HaMikdash. When, when they entered into Beis HaMikdash, they went on a rampage. They, they, they just... Um, uh, tr- tried to wreak havoc wherever they were going. They tried to wreak havoc wherever they were going, just to to, to make problems. This was practically what happened. But according to Torah, nothing happens on a practical level that doesn't show us something deeper which is going on. If the Yevanim specifically defiled the oils, and we don't find in any other holiday this concept, this occurrence, that means there's something specifically with what the Yevanim were doing when they were fighting against the Jews at the time that was connected to this idea of oil. And in the victory of Hanukkah, it turned over that objective of the Yivanim. It transformed that objective. Um, maybe it's like the idea that, um, like how we have like polar opposites, how Pharaoh thought that he was Hashem, essentially, that he created himself. And so if there's an aura that is so high above Serish Tashwas that it can even make the darkness illuminate, then on the opposite end, the darkness itself wants to make the aura Darkness. Okay, okay, let's see how that plays out, okay? Eventually they wanted to 
So the Maimer teaches us the Zesha Yevanim Timu Asashmanim. This that the Yevanim defiled the oil Shebehechal that were in the Hechal. Who mipnei? It's because Shekol Milchamtam Haya Milchama Ruchnis. The Yamtiv of Chanukah is contrasted to the Yamtiv of Purim. The Yamtiv of Purim, Haman wanted to destroy the Jews. In the Yamtiv of Chanukah, the Yivanim wanted to destroy Judaism. The Yamtiv of Purim was a physical battle against the material materialistic presence of the Jews. The gufim, the bodies of the Jews. The battle of Hanukkah was a spiritual battle. It was a battle against our neshama. It's true that this battle was fought on a physical plane as well, but it was primarily a spiritual battle. Shekol melchamtam haya melchama ruchnes. Their entire battle was a spiritual battle. Shaleiratzu lipkaya begufim shal Yisrael. They didn't want so much to lifkaya to affect the gufim, the physical bodies of the yidden. Ela ikur ritzaynam. Their main desire was lehashkicham teirasecha. This again is a quote from Va'al Hanisim. They wanted Lahashkicham to cause us to forget Teirasecha, Hashem's Teira, Ulahaviram, and to cause us to transgress Mechuke Ritzainacha from the Chukim, the statutes of Hashem's Ratzain from the Mitzvahs. They wanted us to abandon Teira and Mitzvahs. That was their main objective. Let's see the next line, Tanchum. Vigam Bozeh Gufa, and this itself, Bozeh Shalochamu Negada Teru Mitzvis, and this that they battled against Teru Mitzvis. Now, the Yuvanim, the Syrian Greeks, the effect of their culture exists until today. You know what it's called? Western sports. Sports is a hishtalshalos from what? Democracy is too. Democracy is too, in in a sense. Uh, democracy is a, a little bit more of a conglomerate. There's other there's other elements that enter into that as well. But yes, but specifically the concept of glorifying the human body and the beauty of the human body. This is what Noyach promised his son Yefes, the beauty Hashem gives to Yefes. The beauty of Aleikim, of nature, of physicality, of the body, of the world, even of thought a philosophy, but in as much as that philosophy is appreciating the power of a human uh, 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 of, of a human being in his limitations, in the way that he presents himself. 
That's what the Yevani culture is all about. And therefore, the Yevanim really appreciated the Meneira. They appreciated a matzah, a sefer Torah, inasmuch as these things represent a certain beauty, a certain culture, a certain expression which can be artistic. And you can put it up on your wall and say, look, I'm a Jew. I have a Magin David and I eat matzah balsam. This is something that the Yevanim appreciated because by them, the different cultures, the different colors, the different expressions, each thing has a certain beauty and a certain appreciation. And they prided themselves in being able to appreciate these things. But there's one thing that threatened the very being of a Yevani. And this is why they hated the Jews and battled the Jews to such a great degree. And that was the Shemen. That was the Eleikos, the godliness. In other words, you want to blow a Shafer because it's so symbolic. You want to blow a Shafer because it just ignites your national pride. You want to shake a lulav and esrig because of how wonderful it is to bring these different colors and different energies together. Anything that you want to do because of the beauty that it connotes inside of the human appreciation and the human intellect that the Yivanis are down for. They say we're good with that. But one thing they can't stand is if you want to blow the shafer because Hashem told you to blow it. Who's Hashem? What's Hashem? Is there a beauty in Hashem? Is there a concept in Hashem? Is there an appreciation of Hashem? You're telling me that there's something which is completely beyond anything that we can begin to relate to. And that's why you're blowing the shafer. That threatened the very existence of a Yevani and that they couldn't stand. Um, but Rabbi, I just don't understand. Why can't you just like, say, yeah, 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 we're doing it for a uh, beautiful national while doing it for, for real... Because that goes against the very essence of a Jew. Oh. When we blow a shafer, so as the Rambam says, there are many symbolic gestures in blowing the shafer. But the essential reason we blow the shafer is because this is what Hashem wants us to do beyond anything that we can begin to appreciate or understand. And the same with every single mitzvah that we do. Everything that we do, even not stealing. Even not stealing. Even respecting our parents. That these are mishpatim, these are logical mitzvahs. But even a logical mitzvah, the essential reason that a Jew performs this logical mitzvah is because Hashem told him to do it, and even where it doesn't make sense, and even where it is not logical, it's even counter-logical, a Jew still performs this mitzvah. This is what the Maimer is teaching us. V'gam bazeh gufa, in this itself, 
In this, that the Yivanim fought against Tarim Mitzvahs. Iker Melchamtam. Their main battle, Haisa, was Neged Haruchnius against the spirituality. Valikos and the godliness of Tarim and Mitzvahs. In note 31, it brings down that which is taught to us in the Midrashim that the Yivanim told us, this is one of the decrees of the Yivanim at the time, they told us, Kisvu lachem al karen hashar, she'ein lachem chelek velike Yisrael. Write for yourselves on the horn of an ox that you don't have a chelek, a portion in the God of the Jews. Where are you reading this, Rabbi? In note 31, Ha'ara 31. Where is it? Kisvu lachem, Kisvu lachem chulu she'ein lachem chelik be'lik ha'Yisrael. Note thirty-one. Right, me'am esuper b'midrashich hazal she'amru that they said, Kisvu lachem she'ein lachem chelik be'lik ha'Yisrael. Write for yourselves on the horn of an ox. One of the explanations that's brought down: Why the horn of an ox? Why the horn of an ox? So one explanation is that the horn of an ox represents livelihood, because the oxes are used to plow the fields, and therefore recognize that your livelihood doesn't come from godliness, from spirituality. Your livelihood comes from your effort, your work, your prowess, from your energy. That's where your livelihood comes from. Then there's a deeper idea also which is brought down. The horns of oxes were used back in those days as baby bottles. So kisvulachem al karen hashar means that you should even feed the babies, even the tiny babies that aren't yet able to understand them too. You should begin by explaining she'ein lachem chelik belikei Yisrael that you don't have a portion in the God of the Jews. Jews you're telling the yidden that you're not yidden. You're telling the yidden that you're not yidden. You're, you know the story of the um, girl that comes home. She says, Daddy, why can't we also have a tree? She says, her father says, because we're Jewish. So the daughter says, I thought you told us we were atheists. So he says, my daughter, I need to explain to you something. We're Jewish. That means that we have only one God, and we don't believe in him. Um, <laughs> I wonder if the people in Wall Street went to Zara, and that's why the name of the bull. The bull? The bull of Wall Street. So the Mimer says there's no contradiction from this to that which it says in the Rambam, that ubit ludatam, they negated their religion. They didn't allow them to be involved in Torah and Mitzvahs. And here it's saying that they had to um, uh, write specifically in the horn of an ox, and it's known that there were three mitzvahs specifically that the Yivanim fought against. You know the three mitzvahs that the Yivanim fought, fought against? Brismila, Shabbos, and Rishchedesh. Why these three mitzvahs? Brismila, Shabbos, and Rishchedesh? Because Brismila is about the holiness. 
uh, it's about the holiness of uh, the body. Our body is holy. The brismila is on Yisoyed Siyuma de Gufa, the end of the body. It's showing that our body is holy. Chedesh shows that our time, our time is holy. And Shabbos shows that the world creation is holy. So this shows that our guf and time and place are all holy. And this bringing holiness into creation, into the world, into what the Yevanim perceived as their God, the God of of the physical existence. And this is why the Yevanim worshipped these Greek gods because the Greek gods represented the greatest power of every energy that they were able to relate to. This is something that the Ivanim were able to appreciate, that type of god, the Ashleimar. The beginning of the Melchama was to cause them to go against Torah. And from this came afterwards decrees on the fulfillment of Torah and mitzvahs in a practical way. Um. Um, based on what we learned in the previous Mimer. Mimer about um, um, about about giving up your life and stuff like that, because we were only banned from these three mitzvahs, it was that still enough of a situation to cause it that you had to, that you had to do all mitzvahs. Yeah. Not necessarily, and there is a lengthy discussion. The Rebbe speaks about it as well, whether the battle of the Chashmeinoim was a battle which was required according to Halacha, or it was a level higher than Halacha. Uh, that's a discussion which we should, and um, Be'ezus Hashem, I'll try to have another time. Okay, I think that we'll stop over here for today at this point in the Maimah. Um, our bodies are from Kripas Naga, it's not from the three impure peoples, right? Our body, our physical body, is from Klippus Nega, yes. So maybe that stamp is like sometimes how your body is not, your body is from Mamish to M. That's the way that the Ivanim looked at it. Uh, That's why their gods are half human, half animals. Because this is the way they looked at it. It's all one and the same. Okay, have a wonderful day. And the Shiaf now. Amen. We want Mashiach now. We want. You know, talks about that. Uh, you know, the whole Greek culture and the base of Nikdash and, and and even the bris. You know, somebody had a bris and, and, and you know the guy was so into Greek culture, he had an operation back then. Right. To put the armor back on. Right, because they appreciated the concept of the bris, but not the holiness of the bris. Right. Okay. okay, we'll talk. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. They do make a good hero. I would say the Greeks make a good hero. Yeah. What about you? Okay, we will. This morning was session.